So I have a question for you. Are you excited? This is Resurrection Sunday. Come on, how many of you are? Find it the best Sunday of the week. Yes, I have one more question for you. Now, based on the way you answer this question determines whether you beat the Baptist to lunch or not. All right? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, are you ready for God's word? Second service, I think you can do better than that. That tells me, oh, I'm not quite ready. That means I've got to give you more. But if, but if you, if you show me you're ready, then, then we can keep it shorter. Cause it's like, okay, they came in ready, Lord. I don't have to, I don't have to do that much work. Are you ready for God's word? Amen. 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 I learned a long time ago, uh, a wise man told me, you're going to find what you look for. If you come to church and you're ready to receive God's word and you come with a sense of excitement, then you're going to receive God's very best. You say, who is that wise man? My daddy. Because I used to come with a bad attitude. I was, I, was, I was raised as a PK. You say, what's a PK? A PK is a preacher's kid. How many of you know the preacher's kid is the hardest ones to raise? Because they're in and around church so much that it's, it's easy to take it for granted. Do you realize that you might be here taking God for granted on an Easter Sunday because it's the thing to do? You say, oh, I come to church because it's Easter. Everybody comes to church on Easter. But today I want you to see him afresh. I want, to see, I want you to see him anew. I want you to forget about me or, who's, or even who's sitting to, to the right or to the left of you and just, just hear God's word. Hear God's word because today we conclude our sermon series, Jesus is coming. Come on, how many of you know Jesus is coming? We've talked about the different signs. We said there were, there'd be signs of deception. We said there'd be signs of the days of Noah, the days of Lot. And we talked about the fact that he's coming for his church and he's coming for Israel. But today I want to tell you he's coming for you. He's coming for you. And I could have... I could have I could have gone a hundred different directions, and on Easter Sunday you can talk about a, many things, including the last week and and the events of that day when he conquered death, and even the time on the cross. But instead, I chose to keep it simple, and so today I'm going to share with you a very simple message. It's called the gospel message, the gospel message, and you'll see four points. They're all found. In my favorite verse of the Bible, how many of you know there's just something special about John 3.16? There's just something special about John 3.16. I can remember growing up watching football, and you couldn't see uh, a game, a football game, where they wouldn't kick a field goal, and you'd see someone holding up a sign that said very simply what? John 3.16. Inviting people to salvation because... In this simple verse, you have the gospel message. You have, one, God's love. Two, the sacrifice he made. Three, resurrection. And four, life. Life. And so today I'm going to cover those four simple points. And I want to let you know that this has been a a verse near and dear to my heart for quite some time. So much so that I, I wear it around my neck. Most of you don't know that I wear this underneath my undershirt, but today I'm sharing it with you. 
And it's a, it's a dog tag that has in Hebrew the word Yeshua. The word Yeshua means Jesus. But it's a Hebrew term for Jesus, which literally means Yeshua, Jesus, but Messiah to me. Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world. And right next to it is a little cross. And on that little cross, I don't know if you can see it right here, it has an inscription, John three sixteen, reminding me that it's by His grace. Reminding me that I live by His grace. Come on, how many of us need to be reminded of that? That it's by His grace and, and it's not by us. In fact, so God had to remind me as soon as this morning. Last night was a rough night for me. I guess I had a lot of things going through my mind thinking, well, this is a big Sunday. And, uh, and as I, as I got up this morning, Pastor Melissa started playing some worship music as she likes to do. And I just began to worship and I began to talk to the Lord and I said, Lord, I wish I had been better in my life. As I approached my 50th birthday, I started thinking, Lord, there's a lot of regrets. There's a lot of things I could have done better. There's people that I've hurt. There's, and the enemy just kept peppering me with that. And, and the more I would confess, the more I thought of more stuff. And, and I just felt like God said, stop. Stop. If you had been perfect, you wouldn't have needed me. And if it had been about your perfection right now, you'd be worshiping self. And instead, it's not about you, it's about me. It's about the fact that I came, I lived a perfect sinless life, and I gave you salvation by grace. By grace through your faith. And so, if you still believe, why don't you walk by grace today? Come on. The gospel message is a simple message, but it's the most powerful message you'll ever hear, and it's the one you have to live, not just once upon a while, but every single day of your life. In fact, it's the very reason I preach is the gospel message. In a little while, I'm going to tell you about a funeral that was interrupted, but I also want to tell you that I got to I got to preach a funeral this past week, and, and the truth is, I don't like doing funerals. I've always had an apprehension towards funerals, and I've never viewed the body, and some people go and they view the body and they cry over it, and I just don't understand that. I want to remember them with life. I don't want to remember them that way, and, and, and I can remember even my grandfather's funeral, and, and whether you do this or not, that's, that's between you and, and the Lord, but, but I'm just telling you my experience. You know, I can remember when my grandfather was lying there, and right before... The color guard took him away because he had he had full honors funeral buried at Fort Sam. And uh, they were saying, son, are you sure? Because we're about to close it. I'm sure. I know what my grandfather looks like. And someday I'm going to see him in glory. I don't need his. That's not him. Amen. That's not him. Uh, even so, you know, to the fact that when my grandmother died and I was on a mission trip in my my, my father said, Dad, uh, son, are you coming home? And I said, no, my grandmother's in heaven. I'm going to continue doing God's work. Because I just, I just, you know, but, but they called me to do this funeral for my cousin. And I said, oh, Lord, I don't know what to say. I didn't know her husband that, that well. But, and, and, and the, I started looking through the Bible. And the more I looked through the Bible, just the gospel message just jumping out at me, jumping out at me. And so I said, I'm just going to go preach the gospel. And as I preached the gospel, I could tell some of the folks there, um, we're a little annoyed 
Because I think we get so caught up in the pageantry of funerals and, you know, certain things that we're supposed to say and we're supposed to, you know, make a big deal about the person laying there. And, you know, it's not about the person laying there. It's about the one who can resurrect the person laying there. That's what it's about. And the fact is, you know, I said, and, and, you know, we can, we can talk about seeing them again and seeing him, but but you're not going to see him if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Hmm. I said, oh, Lord. We still had to do the gravesite. And I thought, what do I do, Lord? What do I do? I almost bailed on it. And I said, no, I'm going to go. Lord, what? I said, I got, I got one message, God. And I could just feel the Lord say, but what a message. It's the message I came to give. And it's the reason I hung on a cross. I can remember a funeral that I did years ago. And it was held at First Baptist. And again, not knowing what to do. And it just, you know what, I'm going to preach the gospel. And I preached the gospel and. There was someone there and he turns to his wife and he says, I like the way this young man preaches the gospel at the funerals. When I die, sweetie, get him to do my funeral. One day later, she was calling me. He was tragically killed on Highway 95. And I remember what she said. Preach the gospel. And so today... I want to preach the gospel because the gospel is not about death. The gospel is about life. Life. And Jesus Christ came that you might have life and you might have it in the fullest, most abundant way possible. The gospel is simple. The gospel is simple. And yet it will cost you everything. But it's worth so much more. I'm going to go to the book of John And I'm going to remind you of where we've been. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home or in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, he said, I will come and get you. Come on. Jesus is coming back. And yes, he's coming for his church. He's coming for Israel. He's coming for, for all of those who believe. But specifically, he's coming for you. Or is he? The question remains on, have you received the gospel message? You say, what is the gospel? You keep using that word. It's something that the, the Roman soldiers used to talk about. He used to talk about the good news from the battlefield. The good news is this. The battle has been won by Jesus Christ. He conquered death. And the good news is you can too. You can too. You can have eternal life. How? What's well, found right there in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. First thing I want to talk to you about is his love. He loved the world. He loves indiscriminately. He loves. He loves with all of his heart and he loves you. He doesn't want you to perish. In fact, so much so that he sent his own son. 
That's what the Bible's about. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Can I tell you something honestly? I wouldn't send my son for you. I'm just being honest. But God's love is not like our love. You say, what is God's love like? Well, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He gives this exquisite definition or description of God's love. He says things like, it does not envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. Ooh, guys, can I just concentrate on that for a second? It's not easily frustrated. Keeps no record of wrongs, uh, ladies. He didn't think I was going to leave you out. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, preserves. I mean, he could go on and on and on. The truth is, the list is as long as describing God. You know, but I like the way he puts it at the beginning and at the end. It's patient and kind, and it never fails. It never fails. Love is exquisite. It's beautiful. It's grand. It's great. How many of you know when you look at this, you're like, Lord, I don't know if I could love like that. I can remember being a kid, and I can remember I was born and raised in the church. And so being born and raised in the church, you've got a lot of knowledge, but it doesn't always affect your heart right from the beginning. And so I had this knowledge of God's love and how amazing love was. And and it always bothered me because I knew I can't love like that. I haven't loved like that. Come on, if you have any brothers and sisters, you know you don't love like that. Isn't that true? You keep record of wrong. You get frustrated easily. You envy. You do all the things that he said don't do. And I felt that. And I can remember when Pastor Melissa and I started dating and we started falling in love. And I said those, those, those amazing wrong words. I said, I think I love you. And I thought this was a huge step forward because think about this with me. Love is a big deal. So I'm not going into it just like willy-nilly. I'm really thinking about it. And all she can think of is that you don't go into love half-heartedly. You don't go in half-stepping. You don't go in maybe, sort of, perhaps. No, love is a commitment. So much so that Jesus said, I'll commit it all. You think the nails held him to the cross? It was his love for you that held him there. His love for you that held him there. And I can remember the world of complications that opened up when I said, I think I love you. I learned that love requires commitment. But I also have come to learn that without God, we cannot truly comprehend love. We get a glimpse of it. We get a, I might have some love. And sometimes we're more arrogant and more confident in what we think our love is. And we need to just relax a moment and realize that if we really want to understand love, we need to understand God. And and I'm always surprised at young people when I marry them and they say things like this in their vows. They say, I vow to love you unconditionally. I almost laugh. (laughs) Because after being married almost 30 years, I go, 
That is so not true. You have, you are made of conditions. You are finite. Everything about you is conditional. The only one that can love unconditionally is who? God. God. I, I, I feel like telling the young man when he goes, baby, I vow to, to love you unconditionally. I say, just wait till she stops cooking for you. You're going to be in my office asking for counseling. Or just wait till, come on. We have conditions, but this is why Paul talks about love never failing. The truth is we're going to fail, but who doesn't fail? Who? This is why John in 1 John says this. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8, he says, God is love. It's right there. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and his only son into the world that we might live through him. That's the gospel message. God loved us so much. He didn't half-heartedly step forward. He didn't say, I think I might want to save you. He said, I love you so much. I'm willing to give my son. And he did it before the foundation of the earth, knowing that you would be a sinner. Knowing that I would be a sinner. Knowing all the filth and the hurt. He did it anyway. Why? Because he loved you. I don't understand that kind of love, God. I don't understand it. But God, if you would have me, teach me. Let me come into relationship with you. So that I may be more like you and less like me. I guess this is why John the Baptist said, Lord, let me decrease that you may increase in me that's Christianity watch keep reading with me he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him this is love not that we loved God why does he correct it right from the beginning not that we love God because even as I was praying we're so tempted to do this Lord if only I could love you I and we put the emphasis on us I need to be perfect enough I need to be good enough I need to you Or look what I can do, Lord. Look what I've done. Look how faithful I've been. And God is going. The gospel message is that while you were dead, while you didn't deserve it, while none of us can be faithful, while all of us fail, while all of us cheat, while all of us are unfaithful, cheating, lying, Leaving, you go, no, I'm not that bad. You're not that good. I mean, we could go through and just go through the big ten and just ask very, 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 just, just quickly. Anyone ever told something that wasn't true? Raise your hand. If you've ever said something that wasn't true. Okay, those that have your hands down, raise them now. You just lied. <laughs> you just lied. Okay, so, so we've already broken one of the commandments. How about this? Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? Raise your hand if you've ever taken something that wasn't yours. So just let me make sure I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to a bunch of lying, thieving. Anyone ever use the Lord's name in vain? 
So we're talking to swearing, lying, thieving. How are we doing? We've only covered three of the ten and we're already like three strikes. Jesus said this, if you ever, you've all heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But if you call a man a fool, you curse him, you slander him. You've just murdered them before God's throne. Any murderers in the room? How about this? He said, thou shalt not commit adultery. And the Jewish people and the religious leaders say, check mark. I've never committed adultery. He says, no, no, no. I need you to understand the way God's going to measure you. Because God is not down here, ordinary, simple, human. He is perfect. He is perfect. That's why in that same Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you want to reach heaven on your own, you've got to be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. He was trying to help them understand how badly they needed a savior. And so he said this, he said, if you've ever looked at a woman and lusted in your heart, if you've ever looked at a man, lusted in your heart, if you've ever looked at someone and lusted in your heart, you have just committed adultery. Any adulterers in the room? Some don't want to admit it. But just in case we're still wondering about how good we are, we're, I'm talking to swearing, lying, thieving, murdering, adultery. And yet God says, I love you so much, I'm going to send my son anyway. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, what Jesus was saying to the Jewish people, he's saying, unless you realize you need a savior, you're never going to reach out for a savior. If you don't realize you need a savior, you're going to keep drowning. There's a better way to live. It's by God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, love always leads to sacrifice. It always leads to sacrifice. I want you to think about, I want you to think about the beginning with Abraham. Abraham was the father of faith. And we think that faith somehow is the end all be all. It's the first step to something greater. Paul put it this way in that same chapter we were reading about love. He says, and now abideth faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. See, Abraham started with faith, but God wanted him in love with him. Because at the end of the day, your faith is about a love relationship with the King of glory. Your faith is to introduce you to a love relationship with the King of glory. And so, so God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to go from faith to love. Wait a minute, wait a minute, pastor. I don't see how you're making this connection. You've got to get in your New Testament. You've got to read and read and read. And when you hear a message like this, you take the notes down and then you go read the entire chapter. Because in that first John chapter four, if you keep reading, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. He goes on talking about love and he says, this is the perfect love that drives out all fear. When you understand how much God loves you, you don't have to fear anymore. And God is saying to Abraham, your faith has introduced me to my, 
to, to love, but now I want it to go so far that it drives out all your fear. And your greatest fear is leaving or losing the son that I gave you. And so he's saying, love will bring you to a point of sacrificing it. This is the gospel message. If you want to live, you must first what? If you want to live, you must first die. If you want to be first, you have to be. If you find a treasure in the field, and it's the treasure of immeasurable worth, what do you do? You sell everything you have for that treasure. Jesus is that treasure. Give up your entire life for him. That's what he's saying. If you find the pearl of great price, cash it all out for that pearl. That's salvation. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You got to show me more examples. Okay. Rich young ruler comes to the Lord. Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, have you kept all the commandments? He says, yes, I've kept them all. Then you don't need me. You're perfect. But in case you've missed one and you really want to get to heaven, come on, anyone listening now? He says, go sell all your material possessions. So it's about material possessions. No, it's about your heart. Those material possessions had his heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he had confidence in his material possessions. And Jesus is saying, if you want eternal life, you've got to be all in. You've got to be all in. You've got to be all in. Come on, can someone hear me today? Because love is not, I think I love you. Uh Uh-oh. See, some of us have come to the Lord and said, I think I love you, Lord. Jesus said, no, I'm all in. I need you all in with me because once I share my love with you, then I'm going to teach you how to love and I'm going to teach you how to love from my side and I need you all in. So he says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, son who you love and sacrifice him. Now watch Abraham's response. This man is a stud. Look at what he does. He says, Early in the morning, verse 3, Abraham got up without hesitation. No, no half-stepping, no like. No, it was like. I don't understand it, but this is what the Bible says. And he travels with his servants, and then he tells his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship God, and we will come back to you. Listen to that statement. God says, sacrifice him, and Abraham says, we're going to go worship God. Is anybody kind of going, whoa, what is going on here? You want to know what's going on here? This is a spiritual truth. When you touch God's love and you get a glimpse of how much he loves you, this is why Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be open to the Ephesian church. This is why in chapter 3 of, of Ephesians, he says, if you get a glimpse, if you get just an inkling of how high, how wide, how deep, how long, how amazing God's love is, you will know that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above beyond whatever you could hope for, imagine, or dream. He is able to do what you cannot do. And so Abraham understood, I don't have to fear God. 
The fear of the Lord that I have draws me to him. I'm not fearful of him and then I'm scared, cowarding. No, I'm so fearful to disobey him because I've touched his love that I will do whatever it takes. And because I've touched his love, I know, I know that I know that everything he has for me is good. It's better than what I could have for myself. So I know that if he gave me this son, even if I sacrifice him, he will raise him from the dead. He will raise him from the dead. You go, how do you know he thought that? Because James tells us this. James says that Abraham, when he did the act of sacrificing Isaac, he had already received him back from the dead in his heart. It's already done. Why? Because God's perfect love drives out all fear, but you still have to go through the sacrifice. This is how Jesus said, if any man cares to be my disciple, he must what? Die to himself. If any man care to be my disciple, he must pick up his cross daily, daily. And so this is what I find interesting. He says, we're going to come back. So verse six, he placed the wood on Isaac all the wood, placed it on Isaac. Now, I need you to stay with me on this. How young is Isaac? See, we tend to think of Isaac as a baby. He's big enough to pack enough wood to do the whole whole sacrifice. So he's packing this. This guy's a strong young man. He's packing it up the mountain. And he says to his dad, he says, Dad, everything's here except for the sacrifice. Where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God, uh, says this to his son, God himself will provide. You know who he provided? He provided his son, Jesus Christ. This was a picture, a symbolism of God's love in Jesus for us. Abraham being the father, willing to give up his son. The son willing to lay down his life. Remember, he's big enough to pack this up. Some of you young men that are big enough to pack with your father up a mountain, if he asked you to lay down as he picked up the knife to sacrifice, you would stay laying down. How many of you can be honest and say, oh no, dad, you're going to get a butt whooping. (laughs) My son, he was in the first service. I said, son, if I laid you down and I said, I'm going to sacrifice you, he was like, no, get out, no. Isaac is an, is an example of Jesus Christ. You see this over and over and over. Joseph had to lay down his dreams in order to receive God's dreams. When you touch God's love, he's going to have you sacrifice something so that you can see that the life he has for you is better than the one you had for yourself. That's, that's the Bible message of the gospel message. If you want to live, you must die. You've got to go through the valley of the shadow of death if you want to hit the mountaintop. Jesus is the ultimate example of this as he lays down his life. Let's go back to John 3.16. We're on point number four. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This means resurrection. Resurrection should not perish. When you lay down your life, when you give up your will, When you step forward fully and say, Lord, I want to love you with everything I have, you experience resurrection. So there's a story 
There's a story in John chapter 11. It's about two, two sisters and a brother. The brother's name is Lazarus. The sisters are Mary and Martha. They happen to be very close friends of Jesus. Now Lazarus is sick, and so they send word to Jesus, come quickly. Jesus purposely detains. He hangs back, waiting for Lazarus to what? To die. Why? Because he's trying to show you the gospel message. When I love you, and you've experienced a love relationship with me, and you've died to yourself, I will give you new life, resurrection. This is where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so this is what I want to tell you today. If you've never experienced this about Jesus, today is your day of salvation where you can say, Lord, I put my absolute faith in you. And today I die to myself. I die to my own ideas, my own dreams, and I take your dreams for me. It'll be better than you think. There was a song that we used to sing from Antioch where Pastor Jimmy Seibert would burst in to the song, Antioch Church in Waco, Texas, and he would say, what would you do if you had no fear? What would you do? What would your life look like if you had no fear? Reach out by faith to the loving hand of God. I don't know what it's going to be like, but it'll be better than you think. It'll be better than you think. And so they come to Jesus and they say, you need to come quickly. He waits and he tells his disciples, he says, he says, Lazarus has fallen asleep. They think he's taking a nap. And they say, Lord, we don't have to go because the the Jews there want to hurt us. So if he's taking a nap, he's going to get better. He goes, no, guys, he's dead. They're like, oh, well, we we do have to go. Watch this. And so this is the conversation that he has with Martha. I know... Verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. That is the belief of us as Christians, that if we give our life to Christ, we will live again. Watch. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. They're about to experience it in a way no one has experienced it. Watch. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live again. Watch. And whoever lives again, because of his belief in me, will never die from that moment on. So when you're resurrected at the end of the day, you will never die again. But he who does not believe in me, that means he doesn't willingly give up his life, doesn't willingly lay down his life and say, Lord, I live for you. Then you try to keep your life. Eventually you will die. And when you're resurrected again, you're going to keep on dying in hell. That's the message of the gospel. Period. I don't know if I like it. When I preach a message like this, there's always three people. I learned that this past week. There's the ones that have received the gospel, and to them, it's the sweetest sound they've ever heard. Those that need the gospel, and it's life. 
It's life. Their eyes are open. They're not. That's what's wrong. And those that don't want it, and to them, it bothers them. Watch. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asks Martha. Do you believe this? That's the gospel. Do you believe that if you lay down your life and give it to Christ, he will give it back to you? Pressed down, shaken together and running over. Better than you could have had it yourself. Notice, the gospel message is not about works. Well, I have to do this. I have to do that. It's not what much of the Catholic history has put forth. This is why the Reformation came and those that died for it said, no, it's by faith alone. Because they were reading the gospel message saying it's by faith alone. But we've also cheapened this and we've said all you got to do is just say you believe. Just read this prayer. Just say this prayer after me and you're saved. No, no, no. This is the kind of faith that when you proclaim it, it's something supernatural that takes place in here. Think about it. If you truly believe that someday you're going to see Jesus in his resurrected form, not a broken man on a cross, not a baby in a manger. I'm talking about the king of glory that will come shining bright as the the morning sun with Lord of Lords, King of Kings, with the sword of the Spirit protruding from his mouth. His eyes are like fire judging the nations of the world. If you believe in that Jesus, the Jesus that conquered death, that someday his word says we will all face him, then does it change the way you live profoundly at the core? I know for me as I consider that, I'm like, Lord, I cannot keep living the way I've been living. Every day I want to reflect you closer. Every day I want this belief in me to have consequence. To teach me how to be a better father. Come on, anyone here. To not take you casually. To teach me how to be a better father, a better husband, a better son to my father. No, 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 it's not just a casual prayer that I say and I go on and live the same way. This is why people say, no, the gospel includes repentance. Repentance comes when you believe. When you believe, I can no longer just live the way I used to live. I can no longer live the way it used to be comfortable for me. The way I thought it was okay because I didn't know. But now that I know that I know. Now that I know, everything changes. Because someday I will see my Redeemer. Because my Redeemer lives, so will I live. So will I. And I will see Him. And I cannot wait for Him to say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. It's not in my strength, it's in your strength. And it started with a faith, a belief, saying, Lord, I believe. I believe. That's it right there. Do you believe? Yes, Lord, I believe. That you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So you say, well, what happened, Pastor? What happened? Jesus began to call out to Lazarus. As he goes up to the tomb, he says, today, because of your belief, you're going to see resurrection. 
And I'm sharing with you that those that believe will see resurrection to life, new life, new dreams, new things are going to take place today when you believe. When you believe, new things. That's resurrection. But not a half-hearted belief. I'm talking, Lord, I'm all in. I believe. And so I like to tell it like, you know, how many of you remember Carmen back in the day? And my kids, I was telling them about Carmen. He did these, he's an old guy and he used to do these dramatic songs. And they thought it was corny, but I loved it. I saw Carmen back when Astro was cool, right? And uh, he said that Lazarus dies and he goes to a testimony night there in paradise with the others the other saints. And the other saints are telling about Jesus and they're saying, Daniel says, I knew him when I was in the, in the den. The three young men say, I knew him when I was in the fiery furnace, when we were in the fiery furnace. And they're all giving different testimonies. And Lazarus stands up and says, and they say, who's the new guy? And he, they say, um, he says, well, I'm Lazarus and Jesus was my friend. I didn't quite know him like you knew him. I knew him in a personal way and he used to come over to my house to eat. And my sisters would cook for him and he would talk to me. And, and we were on a first name basis. And I still remember the way he used to say my name. Come on, how many of you remember how people that love you say your name? If my dad came in here today and he said, Mijo, I would know his voice. He still calls me Mijo. He says, I can still remember the way he used to say my name. In fact, guys, I think I hear him. No, no. Anyway, Jesus, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus, Lazarus, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glories. You called my name. Come on, if you've heard the gospel message and you've had your name called, you know what I'm talking about here today. But if you've never had that blessed, beautiful experience of experiencing God's love, of stop being tentative, die to yourself, go for it, and experience resurrection, new life, then today's the day of your salvation. Today's the day of your salvation. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Is there anyone here that wants to answer the question, do you believe? And today the Holy Spirit is saying, yes. Yes. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I see your hand. I see a hand right over here. I see hands all over this auditorium. I see a hand right up here in front. Anyone else? Back here in the back, I see your hand, mijo. I see your hands right here. Anyone else? Over on this side. Would you pray with me? Father, according to your word, I die to myself today. I put my belief in Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. I declare that I believe he is your son. Lord Jesus, you died for my sin. You conquered death, and so will I. In your strength, 
Holy Spirit, seal me. I am irrevocably Jesus. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to scan the QR code. Pastor Melissa will talk about it in just a second. And share with us your decision. Also, if you prayed that prayer, would you join the family of God as we partake of communion? This represents the body that was broken on the cross and the blood that was shed for our salvation. Until, we retur- until he returns, we say thank you. Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Melissa, would you come up? She has a couple of things to share with you. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week. Come on, can we thank God for his word today? It's life-giving, life-changing. Listen, we want to congratulate those of you today who made the best decision of your life, which was to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We celebrate with you, and we're excited. We want you to scan this QR code behind me, though, because that's going to help us stay connected with you. Because we're all about discipleship here. Whether it was to accept Christ today, but get baptized or make FC Mirror Church home, let us hear about it. Let us know about it so that we can congratulate you. Also, I'm really excited. We want to invite you back next Saturday because we're kicking off a brand new sermon series entitled Soul Detox. Come on, how many of you would love to learn how to live better, have a better mind? heart, soul, spirit. Come on. This is what we're going to be talking about in this up and coming series. So come on out, invite your friends and your family. Um, and today, you know, I just pray that you would just have a great resurrection Sunday with your family and your friends. Would you guys stand with me so I can pray a blessing over you today? Just would love to do that as your pastor. Lord God, you see, um, us here today, Lord, and Lord, we are just recognizing, Lord, how grateful we are for the sacrifice that you gave Jesus. And Lord, we pray, Father, that as we go throughout today, Lord, that you would just, Lord, just protect us and watch over us and help us continue with an attitude of gratitude, Jesus. And Father, I just pray over every single person here, Lord, that you would bless them and keep them. Lord, that you would make your face shine upon them, Jesus, and that you would be gracious to us all, Lord, that you would turn your face towards us and give us all peace. In Jesus' mighty name, all of God's people said, amen. You guys have a blessed week. We look forward to seeing y'all next Sunday.